Wow, praise the Lord for that worship. Amen. We're lost without him. I suppose some of you noticed that I have some of my family here from Glasgow, and it's good to have them here, and we've, we've spent the weekend together. It's good to see Ken and Judy's family here too, another family, and a, and a brand new baby just ready to pop out near the back. We'll have, we'll, church growth is going to be happening, praise the Lord. And uh, as Ron gets older, um, hopefully he'll get wiser too. Right, Ron? <laughs> Amen. <clears throat> hopefully. <laughs> Lots of prayer. The question I have for you this morning, you know, this is Memorial Day, and uh, we really didn't mention that in the announcements. And, um, you know, Memorial Day is a day when we celebrate and, uh, those that have given their lives for the country, for the service of this country. And I know many of you gave your lives in service. The ultimate sacrifice is those that lost their lives in service. And I'd just like to take a moment and just uh, pray for those that gave their lives for this country. Father, in the name of Jesus, we think on this Memorial Day, and uh, as we think about those, those of us that might know personally those that have given their lives, lost their lives, um, Father, in the service of this country, fighting for freedom. Father, in the name of Jesus, we we lift the families that lost their loved ones, and we lift them to you, Lord, and we pray, Father, that your hand of blessing will be on them. And, um, Lord, we think of uh, many of us do go to our grave sites and look for lost, those that have already gone on and those that we've lost from our daily lives. And, Father, we just thank you for the input and the influence family members and loved ones have had on us. And Father, as we come to the scriptures today, we come to think about uh, what is going to be our memorial story in terms of our faith and uh, where we might be in terms of, uh, Father, our commitment to you and, and even considering, Lord, the empowered life that you promise us, Lord. And Father, so as we look at these things, I just pray you'd speak to each one, no matter how old or how young they are, Lord. I just pray somehow, Lord, by your Holy Spirit that you would encourage uh, each one of us here today. In Jesus' name, amen. So the question again, a question I have, a couple of questions really is, I'll put it three ways. What is going to be your story? What is your story? What is, what is your memorial story? You'll get the idea here as we look at this scripture, we look at this passage. In other words, what are you going to tell your children about your spiritual story? What is going to be in your conversation with your children as you walk along the road, as you journey through life? What will that contain in regards to your spiritual journey? What are you passing, gonna pass on to them? It's very important. And I think it's important for us as we come, we've been started to go through this book of Acts, which is the Acts of the Apostles. Remember, it's the, it's the ministry of Jesus through the apostles and even through us today, through the power of the Holy Spirit. And now we're going to come to chapter 2, where the beginning of chapter 2, where this is where the church begins. This is where church life begins. This is where uh, the empowered church begins. A new day dawns. And, um, and it's titled right at the very beginning of chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, 
And while they're waiting there in one accord in one place, something really strange happens. It says, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one, and one sat upon each of them, and they were, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, just for the sake of today, I'm going to stop there, but we know then all of a sudden they appeared like they were drunk. They were speaking in languages that everybody there from all the different nations that were represented, I think, I'm not sure, I think there was like 17, and they could all understand them talking. It's like these fellows have got to be drunk. They're Gentiles, they're fishermen. How can they be speaking in these languages? But God enabled them to do that. But I want us to look at the significance of this day and how that fits into the gospel story and how that fits into a spiritual journey so that you might be able to, if, if you don't have a story to tell a spiritual, of your spiritual journey, you'll have one after today. You know, whenever we go out and meet, when Pauline and I uh, we, we go in, if we come into your home and meet you, uh, the first question we're going to ask you to do is, would you tell us your spiritual journey? We want to hear your story. We want to hear, well, what, then people say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, tell us, I mean, did you grow up in a church? Did you, were your parents, were they spiritual? Have you ever read your Bible? Just tell us your story. You know, do you believe in God? You know, and then every one of us has a story. And as we look at the Bible, we want to see what the story was that, that was contained in here regarding the, the children of God, the people of God. In other words, Israel, the Jewish people. And then how does that translate now over to us? And when we begin to see what, what, what God has done and what God has is, is given to us and the, and, 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 the, and the life that he offers, us, offers to us through Christ, and we start to put our trust in Christ, we end up having a spiritual story, a story of our spiritual journey. We're all here today because I would pray that you're here because you have a spiritual journey. At, at least you have one now. I came to church. And if this was your first time, that would be part of your story. I've been to church once, you know, and we sang some songs and I thought they were pretty good. And I started thinking more about it and I want to go back. And here now in the book of Acts is the day of Pentecost had fully come. Well, you'd read that and go, all right, let's go on to something else. What does that mean? And how would that, what, what difference is that going to make into our, into our spiritual journey today? And I'm hoping at the end of today, you're going to go, aha, I see, I see I have a spiritual story, but there's a part here that might be missing that I'd like to include in my spiritual journey. And I hope you get to see that. So let me just jump back a little bit. Before this day of Pentecost, there was before Christ's crucifixion a Passover. You're familiar with that, right? Are you familiar with the Passover? Well, if you're not, let's just look, because this is part of the story of the people of Israel is, comes to us in terms of their journey in regards to the Passover. This is the Israel story of the Passover. 
these folks, and I want you to go to Exodus chapter 12. <clears throat> just going to look at a few verses, but tell you the story of this by using just a few verses. The people of Israel were in slavery and bondage in Egypt. And they wanted to get out. Now, some of you have seen the movies and you've seen where Pharaoh was there and all these plagues came and there was frogs and there was the water turns to, to blood and there was just terrible things happening. And, and finally, the final stroke was, was, when, was when they were told that, that you know what's going to happen now? Every firstborn child is going to be killed tonight. And that was right before the Israelites were set free to get out of Egypt. And here's how it, and, and so how did they get out? How were their firstborn children protected? And it tells us here in Exodus chapter 12. It tells them, it tells them in chapter 12, here's what they were supposed to do to protect themselves as Israelites. They were to take a lamb that was to be without blemish. In other words, perfect. It couldn't be blind, couldn't be lame, have a broken leg. It had to be perfect. And so you see verse 5 of chapter 12. It says, your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. Now you may take it from the sheep or from the goats. But they're to do this at a particular time. And then in verse 7 it says, and they shall take some of the blood after they've killed this lamb without blemish, and they're to put it on the two doorposts, like if you're going through the door here. So take each doorpost, left and right, and, and, and kill this lamb without blemish and put blood all over the door. What a, what a horrible thing to think about. Blood all over the doorpost. And then it says, and the lintel of the house where you eat it, so the top part too. So the doorway's covered in this blood from this lamb. And then it says, I'm jumping down now in verse 13. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. In other words, it'd be like if we put the blood on the doorposts there. Now we've got several doorways here. We may go through all the doorways that would enter into this house, cover them with blood. And then the promise is, is that when this angel of death is going to fly by here, we'll all be protected because the blood is on the doorposts and on the lintel. And it says, verse 13, Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. And the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. And then verse 14, this will help us understand. See, this then creates a, a memorial story for the Israelites. Verse 14 says, So this day shall be to you a memorial, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance. We, I think we all get that, right? We all just got that. So then... Along came Jesus. Jesus is born, and he is Emmanuel, God with us. He is referred to as the Lamb of God, and he's referred to as a spotless lamb, born without sin, without blemish. He was in the world just like us. 
He wrestled with sin. He wrestled against sin, but he was without sin. He went through life. But he came. Why did he come? Why? Because all of us as people were born into sinful bondage. That sounds terrible. But from, from the first man and woman that sinned against God, Adam and Eve, we often hear the story about Adam and Eve. They were told not to eat from that tree, and they ate from it, and that was sin. And so next thing you know, all of us born from that day on are born with sin. And we're all going to die. And if we die in sin, we don't go to heaven. And that's not good, because we want to go to heaven, right? Don't you want to go to heaven? I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. And Jesus says, I am going to be the way and the truth and the life. I'm going to make sure that you're going to go to heaven. But there's some punishment involved here in regards to the sin that is, you've been inbred with. And if, and, and if you say, well, I don't have any sin, well, the Bible tells you you're a liar and the truth of God isn't even in you. So we're all born into this stuff. And Jesus came along, and right before his crucifixion, what were they doing in Jerusalem? It was the celebration of the Passover. And, and, and Jesus, Jesus brought them a new covenant, a new promise, a new way. And his new way was, I am this lamb now without blemish. I am the, 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 the lamb. I am the prince of peace, the Lord of lords. And I am going to die on this cross and I'm going to bear the punishment that you deserve. And this is going to be a new covenant. And it's going to be in his blood. And so before Acts chapter 2, was, was Jesus was seen resurrected. He was seen as raised from the dead. He was watched as he went into heaven. And then he says, I want you to wait now until the day of Pentecost. He didn't say the day of Pentecost. Wait until the Holy Spirit comes, right? And you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. But he was that Passover lamb. So he replaced the story now is if we look back and we have a memorial story is it's no longer for us about killing the lamb without blemish. It is about Christ who is the lamb without blemish, who bore our sin for us. And it's his blood that we put on us so that sin and death passes by. He takes the sting out of death. Now, for many of you in here that I know, I do know, that you've given your life to Christ. And when you give your life to Christ and you put your trust in Christ, then you have a way to heaven. He gives you the way to heaven. Right? And, and death isn't going to destroy you. He takes the sting out of death. And that is a praise the Lord. Hallelujah. That is part of my story. That's what I hope I can tell my, my children my son Tom, who was here, and the grandchildren, that I came to a place where I realized I was a sinner, and I realized that what Christ had done for me, and I accepted him as my Lord and Savior. That was the victory, and that was the blessing of a Passover. But then we come to this day of Pentecost. Now, the day of Pentecost 
Pente means 50. And so when in the Old Testament, when Christ, when, when they, they slaughtered the lamb and they got free and they covered the doorpost with blood and they came out of Egypt, it was 50 days later that Moses went and had a visit with God. Now I'm being sort of general here. But he went and had a visit with God and God gave him the law. And, and so ever since then, 50 days after the breaking out of bondage and the giving of the law, Pentecost became a memorial service. Remembering the day that God gave the law. And if you go, if you go into Deuteronomy now, just to look at this, and I'm not going to read all the law, but I'm going to start at verse 6 in Deuteronomy chapter 5, where, where the Bible says, this is, this is now uh, from God to us. He says, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Now that's a praise God. And then he, go, he does start the law, you shall have no other gods before me, you shall not make yourself a carved image. And he goes on and he tells us the law. And then at the, near the end of chapter 5, verse 32, it says, Therefore you shall be careful to do as the Lord your God has commanded you. You shall not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. You shall walk in all the ways which the Lord your God has commanded you, that you may live and that you may be well, may, that it may be well with you, and that you may prolong your days in the land which you shall possess. Now when we read that and when we see the law, who hasn't tried to live by that? I mean, it is the law. It's 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 not done away with. It's, it's been fulfilled by Christ. All this is fulfilled in Christ. But when we try to live like this, man, it, you put yourself in a, in, in, a, in a kind of bondage. Because the law was, we, none of us can meet it. None of us can meet the requirements. And then in chapter 6, Deuteronomy, he says, now this is the commandment. And these are the statutes and judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you, that you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess. Now, in a spiritual sense, in our relationship with Christ, when we come to the cross, we cross over. We cross over from a death, living in a spiritual death, to cross over to a spiritual life, into a new place, a new place of victory. And then he says that you may fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you and your son and your grandson all the days of your life. That's what you're supposed to do. And that your days may be prolonged following this law. Therefore, hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it, that it may go well with you. Who doesn't want it to go well with you? Who doesn't want that to happen? And that you may multiply greatly as the Lord your God of your fathers has promised you a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the Lord is one. He's for us. And then he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And Jesus added to that, didn't he? 
And the second, he said, is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Well, this goes on in the old law, the old covenant. It says, and these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. Then this is their story. You shall teach these things. Teach them diligently to your children. And shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. And you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as a frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. That's their memorial story. That's what they're commanded to do. Tell your children this. Tell your grandchildren this. Tell everybody this. When you're walking along, whatever you're doing, just keep talking. Man, we slaughtered our, our forefathers, slaughtered a lamb without blemish, and they took the blood and they put it on the doorpost, they put it on the lintel, and we covered the house. We all stayed inside. There was a terrible noise outside. There were wailing, and kids were being killed. All the young firstborns were being, but we were all protected, and we came out. And then, and then we stood at this bottom of this mountain. There was smoke and all kinds of stuff. And, and Moses went up there and he came down and he said, God has visited me and now he's given us this law to, 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 to follow. And he says to listen to this and follow this and then tell your kids about it so that it'll go well with you in the land that I'm going to give you. Well, they didn't quite keep it up. They failed. And anybody who tries to keep the law is going to fail just like they did. Nobody likes to fail, right? You go take a test, it's like there's no fun getting an F. I mean, you know, you start taking those upper division courses and you don't even like to get a B. Well, you know, a B in God's plan doesn't get you there. An A does. And you can't get an A in the law. B's and C's don't count. B's and C's fail. And nobody can get an A. Not following the law. So the day of Pentecost comes, and it, it, it was meant to be, and it was, and it still is. The Jews, Jewish people still celebrate this. 50 days after the exodus from Egypt was the giving of the law. And we need to maintain it as a memorial forever. Well, Jesus blew the doors all open. He said, you stay in Jerusalem until you become empowered by this Holy Spirit from on high. And the day of Pentecost came, had fully come, and they were all with one accord in one place. Now, there's something critical here. We want the Holy Spirit to rain down on us. We want the Holy Spirit to fall on us. We want to be empowered by the Holy Spirit and so we can walk in victory. Well, there has to be unity. There has to be of one accord, one mind. They were in one place. We often, I mean, we've done that. You've seen that peacemaking video that we did. And at the end of it, uh, Tim said, if you don't have unity in the church, you don't have peace. And I was thinking about that this morning, and I was thinking, yeah, you don't have unity, you don't have peace. If you don't have unity and you don't have peace, you don't have the power of God. It takes unity. See, what we mentioned last week about how we can grieve the Holy Spirit or quench the Holy Spirit. We talked about that, right? And, and, and if we're quenching and grieving, then we don't have the full power. It's kind of like you're running on half power. 
It's not that you, you have less of his influence in your life. Well, the day of Pentecost did come. And what that meant was all of a sudden there was a supernatural power that empowered the, these believers in Christ. So here's my question to you this morning. Is your memorial service, your memorial story, your story still kind of linked to the Old Testament, to the law, to the Ten Commandments? Thinking about the multiple sacrifices they have to do every year with the lamb? And, or is your memorial service, your, your, your memorial story one of, yes, I've come to know Jesus. I've accepted him in my life. I, 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 I know I'm born again. And if it's not that story, well, today is the day to say, I want that to be part of my story. I want to have Jesus in my life. And I want to be that new person in Christ that he promises me. I want to know that I'm covered by his grace and love. Well, praise the Lord. But here's the second question. Have you personally had a day of Pentecost in your own personal spiritual journey. Now, I'm not here to, to judge you. This is your personal journey. This is your personal story. But I am here to suggest to you that when I ask that question, you know the answer to that. You know inside yourself if, 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 if your answer is, I don't know that I'm living with this power that, that we saw come on, these disciples that didn't change their personalities, but it sure changed the kind of power they had to preach the gospel. I don't know that I've had that experience. Well, today is the day that you can. Because the Bible tells us, he says, you know, a father wants to give his children the best things in life, Right? And, if, and the Heavenly Father wants to give you the best of the best. But if your own Father, we struggle, we struggle in, with, our, with our own sin. If we want to give our children the best, wouldn't our Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who asked Him? And so if you're sitting here this morning and you're saying, well, I'm not so sure that I've had a personal Pentecostal experience with Christ, with God, then ask, then ask. Because you see, when you ask for the Holy Spirit, you will discover, like it says, and I'm going to give you some scriptures here, you will discover that you are a treasured possession of God. And like he says in 2 Corinthians, for example, 4, 7, we have this treasure in earthen vessels and this treasure is God's spirit, and it says that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. That can be part of your journey. That can be your story. And in 2 Corinthians 3.8, he says, how will the ministry of the spirit not be more glorious, in other words, than that old law? 2 Corinthians 3, 7 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There's an incredible freedom. 
And, when, and, and, and if we go back to 2 Corinthians 3, 5, it says that our sufficiency is from God, who also made us sufficient as ministers of a covenant, of a new covenant, not of the letter, which is that old law, but of the Spirit of God. For the letter kills us, but it's the Spirit that gives life. And uh, we often quote Romans chapter 7, verse 6, but now we have been delivered from the law, delivered from it. It says, having died to what we were held by, held by so that we should serve in the newness of the Spirit, not in the oldness of the law. So here's the question. Do you, is, is your story, is it serving in the oldness of the law or the newness of the Spirit? These are questions that we all have to answer. Romans 8, 2 says, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. That is where Acts begins, begins with Jesus having risen from the dead. He is the spotless lamb that gave his life to us, who, and it happened over the Passover time. But he was the, he was the God himself that gave his life so that we can have life. But he said, you're not going to be able to live your life to the full. In fact, don't even try and leave Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes and empowers you. And that's why it, Pentecostal power is just, it happens to be 50 days after the law was given. I think there's a reason for that, that the Holy Spirit would come on the same 50 days later that the law was given. It says you're no longer under the law. This is a new way to live. This is a life-giving way to live. This is a sufficient way to live. And I want to encourage you with that today. There's a lot more I had planned on saying, but I'm going to leave it leave it at that with a uh, with 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 this in mind. It does take unity for this to happen in the church. A unity, first of all, personally and privately between you and God. And when I'm talking about unity, I'm talking about the unity of your commitment to Him versus your your you're trying to follow your own desires. When you have unity with him and a heart that says, I want to follow you and I want to do all I can to trust you, then he says, well, now I'm going to give you the spirit to enable you to do it. Unity brings the spirit and brings the fullness. I, I want to just read um, a psalm that you're familiar with, Psalm 133. It's a short psalm, but it says a lot. Psalm 133. Behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head running down on the, on the beard, the beard of Aaron running down on the edge of his garments. It's like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. Now there's a lot of pictures in there for you. For there, when there's unity, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. It comes with unity. And he commands the blessing to come when there's unity. We want, we want the blessing in the church. When we have unity, God will command his spirit to come. 
He'll command his blessing, command his power. And then part of the church's story will be, man, one day we had unity and common purpose and we were with one accord and there was a raining down of something supernatural. I can't explain it in words, but I can sure tell you the difference it's made since then. And in 2 Chronicles 30, chapter 12, just to comment on this verse, it talks about how the Lord's hand was on Judah to give them singleness of heart to obey. So when I said about us having unity so that God can throw out his blessing because we are unified, if we seek him with all our heart, he will answer us, and he's the one that will enable us to have a singleness of mind. See, none of this, none of this can be of us. All of it has to be of him. And once that happens, then our story, our memorial story, gets infiltrated and anointed with a story we tell from the, from the day we get it to the day God takes us home. As I sat here, or stood here this morning worshiping God with my son and the grandchildren, I was asking myself to talk about this is so much different than to live it. To be up here Sunday morning and preach it. Am I talking about it when I'm at home? when we're having meals together. And sometimes we don't have to speak it with words. We speak it with our action and our responses, the way we deal with one another and work with one another. So I was challenged with myself. Am I, am I a person that has experienced the new Passover? with my relationship with Christ, and am I sharing that with, with my story to my children and to my grandchildren that I accepted Christ years ago and I got real serious in 1986. That's a long time ago, long before any of these kids were born and before our son, after our son Tom was born. He was a two-year-old, almost, That's my story. But, but the Pentecostal power, we teach here at the Christian Mission Alliance that this power comes on us and, 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 and enfolds us and wraps us up and, and, and enables us to live this, this Christian life, gives us this life evermore, gives us this singleness of mind, gives us our sufficiency. But life hits us hard, and then we stray away. And then we find ourselves still saved, still having a relationship with Christ, but not living in the power that we talked about or lived maybe weeks or months before. And so we teach that that is the work of sanctification. That is the work that comes at us in crisis moments when we recognize I am not living with an all-sufficiency. I am weak today. And then all of a sudden you get on your knees and God says, 
That's where I wanted you anyway. I want you to stay there. Now I'm going to pour out my spirit again in you. Then it gives you the power to live. And you stand up and you tell your story. Say, kids, last week, man, it was a struggle. And then I got on my knees and I went to the Lord and he did something to me. And here's what he did and here's the results of it. And I want you to remember that. This week we've been, as a family, we've been recording videos for our oldest son, Daniel, who's 42 years of age, a little younger than Ron. And uh, it's been interesting listening to the different videos and seeing the different writings that were, everyone's writing to him. And he's going to open that today. It's all a surprise to him. And it's interesting hearing the story as, like, for example, our daughter Catherine in Montana telling Daniel about what she remembers about him. It's like a memorial story. It's like a story of the past and how he was a big brother to her and how important he was to her. And I'm telling my story. Everyone's telling the story. Tom, Tom, Tom tried to tell his story. He had to, we all got emotional, right? We, we, and it's hard if you really truly tell your story of how in, together life impacted us, but how together we made it through. And, and so when it comes to your spiritual journey, sometimes it's good to go back and then start recapping to your kids, to your wife, to your friends. This, this, is, what I, this is what happened to me. This is my journey. And Nicole, when you have your little one and your little one's born and you're holding the little girl and she's already been hearing your voices and she's already listening to your story. And when she's born, you're going to hold her and say, let me tell you about my spiritual journey. And so the hope is, is as parents, as some of you here with parents, that you can tell your children your spiritual journey where maybe before you even understood the law and then maybe how you tried to follow the law and then how you found you couldn't and then how you found Christ that, that gave you freedom and then how you found the work of the Holy Spirit that empowered you to live the Christian life. The kids need to hear that. And we want to be able to do that as a church as a blessing. All right, I've said enough. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just pray for each one. That just as your word says, until your spirit is poured out from high and the desert becomes a fertile field and the fertile field seems like a forest, Lord, I just pray that you would enable us to stay strong and to, Father, just to be reminded of the journey we've had. And, and Father, remind us, Lord, to tell our story more often to our children and to our friends. And then, Lord, empower us. Give us a day of Pentecost, 50 days after the Passover. We don't have to wait 50 days. We can have that Pentecostal experience as soon as we give our life to Christ. Lord, we want to have peace. We want to have unity. We want to have power in the church. And we, I pray that's going to happen here, and I, I know it is. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's stand together and let's worship the Lord. I do want to say as we close in song that um, we can be here to pray for you.
the close of the service if you'd like prayer.